really, really excited for this morning. Because when Josh asked, he's like, hey, you and, you and Ashley should teach together Mother's Day weekend. I'm like, ha, are you sure? And then I realized, I was like, oh, actually, this is the greatest idea ever because my wife is so much smarter than I am. Like, seriously, y'all, listen, she's got like an alphabet of, la- of letters after her last name. She's like, all these degrees and certificates. She's really, really educated. She's one of 500 people in the entire world that has her certified eating disorder specialist certificate. She's a therapist. She specializes in eating disorders, and she loves Jesus, and she loves the Bible, and she loves speaking, and she's here with us this morning, and you're going to get to hear from her in just a little bit. And I am just so excited to be, to be here with you, and so moms, happy Mother's Day. Welcome. If you're frazzled, if you feel like you just got here, just in the nick of time, feel like you got your kids dressed just in the nick of time and you got them into, the, into Mercy Kids, I want you to just take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath and let it all out. And God loves you. God notices you. You are welcome here. I hope this morning ministers to you. But let me just say this before we move any further. If you ain't a mama, that does not mean you get to check out the next 30 minutes. Whether you are a single person, and especially dudes, listen to me. Like, this is not your excuse to, like, get on your phone or take a nap. And this is why. Because all of God's word applies equally to everybody. And you're going to be hearing Ashley and me say moms and mothers a lot in the next half hour. But that does not mean that God's word does not also apply to you. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do in our lives. Thank you for the moms in this room. Thank you for making women They are so much wiser, and we're so grateful for that. And I pray, God, right now that if anyone in here is stressed out and frazzled and feel like they just got here in the nick of time, would would you just love on them? Would you make them feel like they are welcome here and that they can just relax and enjoy your your word being washed over their souls? Would you pursue them? Would you touch their hearts, Jesus? Pray these things in your wonderful and perfect name. Amen. This is all part of a series called Verbs. And if you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, you know that we are walking through Proverbs this month of May, and we've got a whole social media campaign that goes with it. And so if you follow us on on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see, you know, May 12th, Proverbs 12 posted online to encourage you to stay disciplined, to read a proverb every single day for 31 days. And the the big heart, the big thing is, is that Christians, followers of Jesus, should be the wisest people on the planet. Because we have God's wisdom and God's word. Let me just share a couple of Proverbs with you now. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And my wife has been my sharpening block now for the last seven years. I hope that I've been her sharpening block. I think sometimes I dull her. But sometimes I sharpen her. My challenge to you is that your heart would be open and your mind would be open to being sharpened as well. Because people sharpen people which means that your heart needs to be open for the wisdom of God to sharpen you, that your mind needs to be readied for the wisdom of God to sharpen you into this next season of your life, and that God has called you to live wisely. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. My wife and I have had our own adversity this past season of our life. Last June, I came home from summer camp having been in Florida with teenagers for a week, which is a whole different story in itself. 
I came home, and my wife, and she knows me, she made me a homemade cinnamon roll. I couldn't wait to eat it, and so I like, inhaled it like I mostly do with donuts and sweet foods. And I'm eating it with a fork or whatever, it's going really fast, and I get it done, and then at the bottom and the plate on a Sharpie, it says, second bun in the oven. She was telling us that she was pregnant. I was so thrilled. I was so excited. I was like, oh, that is such a creative way to tell that story. Like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we're expecting child number two. Like, that's so cute. And like, is there a second cinnamon roll somewhere? And I was just really, <laughs> I was really excited. And so we, we, you know, we rode that wave of excitement for the first, you know, month, month and a half, two months. And then we noticed something is not right. We noticed that there was not something right with Ashley's body. We knew that something was not going well. And so we got her to the doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, you've, you've miscarried. And it was this sad reality that we've never been confronted with before. Why would God allow something like that in our lives? Fast forward to this Christmas, this past year, December 2018. My wife leaves a little stick in the stocking, a pregnancy stick that read positive, and I pulled it out. And I'm, of course, I'm thrilled to death, and I'm so excited. And I was like, wow, what a creative way to tell me that. You put a stick in the stocking, you know, we got to wash that stocking. <laughs> And again, we rode that wave of excitement for a month, month and a half, two months. Again, something wasn't right. Her body wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. She was not feeling well. We took her to the doctor, and again, the doctor's like, yeah, you've, you've miscarried again. And it was just this sad season that we were in. We couldn't understand why God would allow that kind of adversity in our lives. We thought that we had prayed all the right prayers. We thought that we had done all the things right. We thought that we had checked all of the boxes to do this right. God, what's you up to? Why would you allow something like that in our life? And now that it's been some time, Ashley and I can look back on that season of our life, and there's one thing that stands out during that time. One really special thing in that season that God did for us that now we see in retrospect crystal clear. And that one thing is that God gave us community. That's what Ashley and I want to talk to you about this morning, is the power of community. And I'll just tell you what this message is about right now. The number one thing to help you live wisely is to have the right community, because iron sharpens iron, as one person sharpens another person. And if you don't have the right community in your life, you're not in the right context for you to become the wisest person that God has called you to be. Would you pray with me? God, as we step into all of this this morning and continue to worship, would you just be with Ashley and me? Use us as simple tools, nothing more. Speak, God, we're listening. We love you, amen. Mercy Road, would you give my wife a warm, loud welcome? Take it away, babe. Well, I'm really excited to be up here talking with you today on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Luke and I would like to talk to you about the value of community, especially during motherhood. As a new mom myself, this is a topic that I am really passionate about, and that is because our culture puts so much emphasis on the individual, and I think that can be especially true for moms. A lot of moms have this MO for being a one-man show, Moms are known for having difficulty asking for help. Hashtag boss mom. 
Moms are notorious for not taking time for themselves. And we are living in this culture that really encourages this type of individualism. And a lot of times, our culture is teaching us that the ultimate sign of success is independence. And in the Christian community, there has been this recent emphasis around the boundaries movement. So when I say boundaries, I'm talking about boundaries in relationships, so learning to say no to things, having a balance between work and rest. Boundaries can mean being careful with how many commitments you make. I'm all for boundaries. Luke mentioned that I'm a therapist, so I could talk to you about boundaries all day, every day. But when it comes to healthy boundaries in life and healthy boundaries in relationships, there is one thing that we need to be really careful about. And that is, if you are going to say yes to boundaries, then you also need to say yes to community. And this is important because for a lot of moms, we can end up putting up too many healthy boundaries, and then that can lead to isolation and a lack of community. So, for example, if you're trying to put up some boundaries to protect your personal time, or you're putting up some boundaries to protect your family time, if you aren't careful, all of a sudden, you may have accidentally backed yourself out of time with friends, or you may have accidentally backed yourself out of time at church events. And before you know it, you may be really lacking in a sense of community in your life. I really do love the concept of boundaries. So I don't want to be up here sounding like I'm bashing on boundaries because I really think developing healthy boundaries is actually very biblical. We just have to be careful to use our boundaries in a way that does not also shut out community. Because the Bible makes it really clear that as Christians, we need to be living in community with one another. And Acts 2.44 talks about this, where it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. The Christians in Acts, they were actually living together. They had shared belongings. They had shared finances. This was true community living. I'm not suggesting that we start a Mercy Road people commune. But I do think we've swung too far in the opposite direction when it comes to community living in your typical Christian church setting. And what that looks like for moms in particular, if you are not living in community, I think that's why we're seeing such a high rate of burnout among moms. When you think of a mom, you think of someone who is frazzled, stressed, frustrated. And a lot of moms are ending up feeling isolated. Hashtag mom and ain't easy. Being a mom is a lot of work, and if you're trying to do it all on your own, so you're taking care of your kids, maybe you're taking care of your house, whatever other responsibilities that you have, and then if you really are a super mom, maybe you are taking time for yourself, maybe you're making sure to have those family dinners every night. If you're doing all of this on your own, without your community helping you, and without your community pouring into you and pouring into your family, you are going to feel isolated. You're gonna feel frustrated, frazzled, stressed, all those words that we think of when we think of a mom. And I think a lot of moms are even struggling sometimes with anxiety and depression because of this. Being a mom should not be a one-man show. You are not being a better mom if you are doing it all on your own. And our culture is wrong when it tells us that independence equals success. I'm not saying community is the end-all, be-all answer to some of these things, but I 
think the Bible is onto something in this verse in Acts where it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. And that is because fellowship, relationships, accountability, all of these things that as Christians we know are so important, these things happen best in the context of community. As Christians, we are supposed to be living life on life. And this message in Acts applies to being a mom, just like it would apply to any other role in life. I think a lot of times as moms, we give ourselves a free pass to opt out of a lot of things temporarily to make room for our role as a mom. But I would say community is one of those things that as a mom, you especially need to be opting into. As human beings and as Christians, we need community. And that includes your role as a mom. My guess is that a lot of us are probably not living in community as much as we think we are. Human beings need community for so many reasons. But the biggest concern, if you are not living in community, is that you can really get stifled spiritually. Romans 1, 11 through 12 talks about this when it says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. We are to be encouraging each other spiritually. In Acts 2, the day of the Pentecost, when the believers were together, God showed up. That's a pretty big deal. Uh, James 5.16, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We are to be real with each other, even when we've messed up. No more pretending that we have it all together. Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you are fulfilling the law of Christ, the law. I would say community is really important, and community in the context of the Christian community, it takes on a whole new meaning. As Christians, community means taking on a sense of responsibility for each other, and to top it all off, we see Jesus living out community while he was here on earth. She's right. Jesus is the archetype. He is the profile for what Christian community looks like. He defines it in scripture. If you're new to Jesus, that's entirely okay. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived 33 years before his criminal's death and resurrection from the grave, conquering sin and death. But when he was 30, he started a ministry and he discipled 12 guys. And of those 12 guys, he had three of them that he seemed to have an inner circle with. Now, follow me here. Because in Scripture, Peter, James, and John get a lot of face time with Jesus. John even claimed that he was the one Jesus loved the most. Which is debatable. Because Peter and Jesus kind of had a BFF thing going on. But we'll find out one day in eternity. The point is this. Jesus had an inner circle. Jesus had a community that he depended on. Was Jesus fully God? Yes, but he was also fully man. Which means that when he was about to go to the cross, you better believe that he needed the support that his humanness needed. The privileged information that was exchanged between Jesus and those three, the sensitive information that was was given Those three were a support system to him and him a support system to them. Let me define an inner circle for you now. The few people, this is an inner circle, the few people that you trust 
to journey alongside of you through life's ups and downs. The few people that you trust to journey with you through life's ups and downs. Let me share with you the rest of our miscarriage story. For anyone in here who, who has a similar story, you know what it's like. And you know that it's uncomfortable and unpleasant. And I just want you to know that God sees it too. And God knows it as well. But as we went through that season, as we went through that, that loss of an opportunity to have more children, get this. The week before we found out that we miscarried, we found out that our best friends had miscarried. They didn't even know we were pregnant. And so when we reached out to them and told them that we miscarried too, there was this beautiful mutual support system happening. This beautiful shared sadness that occurred. All of a sudden, that inner circle came alive. There was times where I had to take Ashley to the hospital for whatever reason, and my parents or her parents or family or friends would come over and watch our daughter. I even told my mentor, Rod Bucher, who's here this morning, I told him face-to-face, hey, we miscarried. I texted him ahead of time. Hey, will you be praying for us because we don't know what's going to happen? He's sitting here front row, but Traver came over unsolicited and prayed for my wife before her operation. My point is, is that when you go through life's ups and downs, your inner circle is there for you. Your inner circle is there to support you because you will go through ups and downs. You absolutely will. So I need to ask you, brother, sister, mom, who's in your inner circle? Who's in your inner circle? Last night at the Saturday night service, I had someone talk to me after service. They're like, I just never realized that I needed not just community, but the right community. All Christians are called to be missionaries in their city, in their state. There's no such thing as an unsent Christian. However, Christians, our BFFs should be people that love Jesus too. The people that influence you and point you in a certain direction ought to also love Jesus as much or more than you do. Because you need, we all need the inner circle. Mom, you were not called to journey through life's ups and downs on your own. You were called to do it with a trusted community, an inner circle that will journey with you when things get rough. Who's in your inner circle? And here's the, here's the big thing. You may have not been giving yourself permission to have one. Because of our culture, because of our independence, because of our busyness, right? We're a productive society. We want to get things done. Our calendars are full. I barely have time for anything, Luke, let alone community. So you may have not been giving yourself even permission to have an inner circle. But when we look at the life of Jesus, and we see how Jesus interacted with his 12 disciples, and then his inner circle, his three, his Peter, James, and John, if Jesus, if Jesus, our King, our resurrected Savior, if he had an inner circle, listen, everyone, you have permission to have one too, especially you moms. If Jesus needs community, then we do too. We can't really argue with that kind of logic. So what does it mean to live out community as a Christian? Before I share some practical steps to start building your life around community, I would like to talk with you about Miriam. It's Mother's Day, so that gives me the perfect excuse to tell you about my favorite woman in the Bible. 
Miriam's story is found in the Old Testament, and if you don't know who Miriam is, you probably know her younger brother, Moses. Moses is the guy who was left in a basket in a river when he was a baby by his sister, Miriam. And he was found by Pharaoh's daughter, and then it was Moses who led the Israelites out of Egypt. As Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, his older sister, Miriam, became a female leader among the Israelite women. Miriam is an amazing example when it comes to fostering community among women. My favorite part of Miriam's story is in Exodus 15. Moses has just parted the Red Sea so the Israelites could walk across on dry land. It's this huge moment in the Bible. And my favorite part of the story is the moment the Israelites walk out of the sea onto the beach, we see Miriam leading the Israelite women in a celebration with dancing and singing and just praising God for saving them from the Egyptians. I cannot imagine how scary it would have been to be an Israelite running from the Egyptian army. Before the Red Sea was parted, I'm sure the Israelites were all thinking they were dead meat. And then God gives Moses the power to part the sea, and they're able to walk through the Red Sea onto the beach, onto the other side, and then they look back, and the Red Sea is closing over the Egyptian army. There had to be just this powerful moment of relief, and I'm sure the Israelites were just shocked that they were actually out of Egypt and safe on the other side of the Red Sea. Going through difficult life events definitely fosters community. And that is because when we go through something difficult together, we also get to celebrate together when the difficult moment is over. And that is exactly what we see Miriam doing, was she raises her tambourine and she starts singing and dancing, and all the Israelite women follow after her, dancing and singing and praising God for the victory. Think Coachella or Kanye's Sunday service or Woodstock, but Christian. I want to read this part of the story to you from Exodus 15, 19 through 21. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. And then there are like 13 other verses of this song that was written by Miriam as she's singing and leading the Israelite women in praising God through dancing and singing on the beach. I love dancing, I love music, I love singing, I love Miriam's story, and I love picturing Miriam's dance party on the beach. But I love Miriam's story the most because of the community that she lived out. And I think we need to figure out how to have this kind of community in modern day. So I would like to share with you how to live out Christian community in three steps according to Miriam. Step one, find people that you trust and you feel like you can be authentic around. And then here's the tricky part in our busy schedules. <coughs> actually spend time with them. That means you actually need to respond when someone texts you. You actually need to answer your phone when someone calls you. It's time to start saying yes to social events. And then here's where your healthy boundaries come into play. You may find that you may need to start saying no to some of those other responsibilities that are a little bit farther down on the totem pole. Community breeds community. When you get vulnerable, that draws people to you. 
when you open up, that encourages someone else to open up too because you opened up first. And then that person opens up to someone else. And then all of a sudden, you have yourself a community. It doesn't happen overnight, but it starts with you opening up your life to others. And that only happens if you spend time with your community. Step two, go through difficult life events with your community. For me personally, it is really easy to tell my story after I've gone through something difficult. But I find it really challenging to reach out as I'm going through something difficult. If you wait to tell your community after the fact, then you end up going through that difficult thing alone. Which also means you essentially celebrate alone when things do finally get better. Miriam and the Israelites, they didn't really have a choice in sharing their hardships together. They didn't have homes, and they basically went camping for over 40 years together. Nothing like bonding over camping. Those thin walls of their tents didn't really allow for the privacy that we're used to. But I think sometimes privacy ends up keeping us from reaching out to our community. Really going through life with our communities is more of a challenge for us because we live in our separate homes and we get home, we close our garage doors, and it's really easy to go through difficult things in isolation, all in the name of privacy. When Luke and I first got married, we moved out to Arizona and we lived with his brother Josh and his wife Lolly. We were waiting for our house to close. It was supposed to take two weeks. It ended up taking three months. So we all ended up living together quite a bit longer than we expected. Luke's brother Josh is a surgeon, and his wife Lolly is a physician's assistant. And at the time, uh, his brother Josh was a surgical resident, and his wife Lolly was in her finishing up her medical degree. So their bedtime was like 7 p.m. sharp every night. And I just remember Luke and I as newlyweds, like, sneaking around their house, like, trying not to wake them up, um, getting snacks, watching Netflix. And because we were newlyweds, I also remember getting into a couple of pretty big arguments and having to, like, whisper back and forth, trying to be really quiet. It went something like this. Ashley, you cannot eat sushi in a bed that's not yours. You will not tell me where I can and can't eat. Oh my gosh, the dog just peed in the bed on the lane on the floor. That's my pillow, clean it up. Those things actually happened, by the way. Yeah, that was what we were really fighting over. I remember being embarrassed that we were arguing and just like feeling mortified that we were going to wake up his brother because of whatever we were fighting over. And I look back on this and I think it's sad that we were embarrassed that we were working things out as a newlywed couple. If Luke and I had lived thousands of years ago with Miriam in that Israelite camp, our neighbors probably would have heard us whisper yelling through the walls of our tent. And maybe that would have been a good thing. Maybe an older, wiser Israelite would have come over and imparted some sort of wisdom to help us get along. Luke and I have been married about seven years, and I feel like we've definitely worked through a lot, and God has absolutely used us to sharpen each other. But I bet if we had reached out a little bit more to our community in those first years of marriage, we may have learned to get along a lot faster. I would say step two, going through difficult life events with your community is the hardest. Because to reach out during our rough times, we have to work through our initial fears of being embarrassed to share whatever it is that we're going through. 
But since we were made for community, we will always be missing out if we don't share our lives with one another. You just don't know how God could use someone in your life if you let your community in. God will use your community for support. He will use your community for words of wisdom, for shared life experiences. All of these things are way better than isolation or so-called privacy. Step three, this is the easiest step. Celebrate victories and blessings with your community. But here's the kicker. You can't really experience step three unless you follow steps one and two first. It's really hard to celebrate together if you haven't allowed your community in during the hard times. The reason there was such a strong sense of community on the Red Sea beach when Miriam threw her victory dance party was because the Israelites had literally just thought they were going to die together. You have to allow your community to walk with you during difficult times. That way, they can really celebrate with you when things do get better. I think because we are a first world country, we don't always necessarily need each other physically like maybe Miriam and the Israelites would have, but we do need each other emotionally, and we definitely need each other spiritually. If you allow it, God will use your community to help you grow spiritually. I just picture us praying sometimes, just like, begging God for support or begging God for an answer. And then I picture God being like, it's right, if you just tell that person right there what you're going through, they have the words of wisdom that I want you to hear. Or that person, if you just, right there, that person, if you tell them what you're going through, they went through it too, and they'll give you the support that you're asking for. But how many times do we keep our struggles to ourselves and we shut our community out and I just don't think that that is how God intends for us to live. God designed each one of us for so much more. It's not what God intended. God made you for community, not isolation. And I think that my, my fear is that all of everyone in this room right now, especially moms, are hearing all this talk about community and inner circles and making time for social events and so forth and so on and you already have a really, really busy schedule, and you're thinking to yourself, there is no way I'm going to have time for community. Maybe you're a working mom, and you've got how many kids, and you've got to get them to soccer practice, and you've got to get meal preps done, and you've got to make sure that house is clean, and all these expectations are placed on you to have all these things done at the right time in the right way, and you're just barely getting by. You're like, I, just, I had one shower last week. That's why you're having a hard time finding communities, because you, you smell. <laughs> I'm kidding. Happy Mother's Day. But here's the thing, is I imagine that everyone in here right now are hearing community and hearing social and hearing inner circle. Like, yeah, I want it. I don't got time for it. I can't take any more time away from my family. I, got, I, I can't take any more time away from my kids. I'm always accepting the, the calendar invites from my husband for dates. Like we already have our schedule, and it does not involve community. And it's because there's this one little thing that's in the way. And the devil is real, real sneaky about this kind of thing. This one little thing that gets in the way. It's hashtag mom guilt. And it's real. It's real but it's from the devil. It's not from God because God never uses guilt to motivate somebody. 
He always uses his grace and kindness. Here's the thing about mom guilt. Mom guilt says, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't go get involved and I shouldn't find community because I have all these expectations, because I need to spend more time with my kids, because this, because that. Mom guilt actually says that community is a luxury, but mom guilt is a liar. The freedom that comes from Jesus And when you marry Christ, you marry his family. It's a package deal. It comes with the community of God. And God turns hashtag mom guilt into hashtag mom guilt is gone. Because there's all of these expectations that are placed on you as a mom. But what I'm saying is that community is not a luxury. It is a priority. Community is not a luxury. It's a priority. God has called you to be a part of the family of God. He's called you to be a part of a community where you will find that inner circle of support that will journey with you through life's ups and downs. And if you've not had any ups and downs lately, oh, you will, because that's life. And when you do have that up and down, your community is critical. I've had the privilege of working with the Hoosmans now for the past three and a half years, and I've been able to walk with Josh in certain ways and tell him things about my life, and he's been a support system to me. And what I'm saying is that each one of you have that available in your life too. There is someone, there's an inner circle person in your world that wants to hear about how your life is going. But mom guilt, hashtag mom guilt, gets in the way of that. I don't got time for other people. I got like 55 kids. I don't have time for anything. Don't let mom guilt take one more second of your time. One more second of your thoughts. And here's why. If I were to poll the room right now, if I were to ask everyone with a survey, what are the desires of your hearts? And there was an option on that survey that said an inner circle, a social community that supports me through ups and downs. I bet 100% of you would check that box. Yes, I want that. That 100% of people in this room, mama or not, desires an inner circle, desires the community that God gives freely. So, because you get a free pass with the grace of Jesus in your life, because mom guilt is from the devil and not from God, it means that you have the freedom to no longer sacrifice the desires of your heart on the altar of someone else's expectations. It means that the desires that you have tucked in your soul for community, for inner circle, for involvement, for friendship, all that desire, God gave you that desire and he intends to fulfill it. Don't ever sacrifice that desire on the altar of someone else's expectations, not even your own. And I get it. People are busy. People have big families. People have lives to lead, things to do, jobs to work. I get it. But what happens in the community of God is you now have the freedom to invite that community and that inner circle into your everyday life. You've got the freedom to invite that community into your everyday schedule so that you can journey with those people through life's ups and downs. And Ashley referred to this a little bit earlier, but it might mean that you, especially mama in the room, it might mean that you need to say no to something good so that you can say yes to something even better. There's something good in your life right now that you may need to say no to, so you can say yes to something even better. And that something even better is the community of God and the inner circle that comes from that community. 
And that is for your support, and that is for your good. And so I'm going to offer just four simple, practical, applicable, two-day doors that anyone in this room can walk through to get involved and to find that community. Because here's the thing. If you're thinking to yourself, I, I, I want community, Luke. I'd love to have that social circle. I'd love to have a Miriam dance party on a weekly basis. Involvement becomes community. Involvement is community. If you feel like you're on the outside looking in, my bet, my cash bet, is that you're not involved as your heart really wants to be. If you always feel like you're just on the fringe, never really part of the core, if you will, get involved. Because involvement becomes community. I'm going to burn through these doors so fast, so take some notes. Door one is rooted not trying to be a sales pitchy person right now. I'm just giving you four practical ways to get involved and find community. Rooted, I can't tell you how many people have come out of Rooted and said, I found new friends. I found my calling. I got closer to Christ. There's lots of people in this room that have gone through Rooted. If you've not gone through Rooted, it's coming again this August. Don't miss it. Door two, start an outpost. Did you hear Lisa Graff's outpost on the announcement video? Come on, busy moms, just get up right now and go join that outpost. I'm just kidding, stay. Don't go anywhere. But join her outposts. I'm sure everyone in this room has a heart for mission. You want to make impact with your life. You want to make sure your life counts and makes a difference for the kingdom of God. How about a bunch of busy moms get together and create a busy mom outpost and do it together? Make the impact that your heart craves. Get involved. Door three, this is the easiest door of any doors, the weekend volunteer teams. As we are church planting, we need more people than ever. We're starting four new churches. Two of them real soon. Three of them real soon. We need 100% involvement. Join a weekend team. It's so easy. It's so easy to connect to the worship team, the tech team, the first impressions, the hospitality. There's so many roles that you can fulfill and you'll all of a sudden, you're gonna find friends. There's people in my huddle right now. They got first involved in a weekend team and now they are being discipled and being sent out on mission. Don't underestimate the power of weekend teams. And this fourth door, a little bias, it's one off. It's the construction team for Michigan Road. The reason this door is so important, especially you moms out there that are like, Luke, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not showing up to a construction site. Last week, Sarah Hurley, a mom, showed up and she put concrete in a wheelbarrow and wheeled it out to the dumpster for two and a half hours. Don't count yourself out. Here's this woman who's leading who's making an impact, who's gotten involved, who's found community, who's giving her time. It's not just one more thing on her schedule. It is her community. It is her inner circle, the people that she journeys with through life and all the ups and downs that come from that life. And I, and I, I know, I know that this room is full of people right now, moms included, that feel frazzled and stressed I want you to know that in Christ, he breaks the bondage of expectations on your life. It is more important to be involved in community than have a clean house. It is more important to be involved in community than get your kids places on time. It's more important to be involved in community than have meal, meals all prepped up. You get a free pass. Community is not a luxury. It's a directive straight from scripture for your good. Don't miss it. 
And I think there's a lot of people in here right now that are like, I, I would love that. I don't really feel close to God though, but I'd love to be part of the community. Like I said, when you get up with Jesus and you link up with arms of Christ, our Lord and Savior, all of a sudden the community of God comes right after that. He's going to give you opportunity after opportunity to get involved and find that social group, that inner circle that will support you. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning. So I'm going to just ask everyone to bow their heads in this moment and close your eyes. And I want to give anyone in this room that wants to place their trust in Christ for the very first time an opportunity to do so. Because I know you're here. And you feel like you're on the outside looking in. And you feel like you want that community, you want that inner circle, but you don't know how to get it. Well, let's start with the basics. If you are in the audience right now and you want to place your trust in Jesus for the very first time, simply repeat this prayer after me. God, I don't know you, but apparently you know me and you love me. So I place my trust in you for the very first time on Mother's Day, May 12th, 2019. God, would you show me the opportunities that I have to get involved and to find that community? And if that was your prayer, I pray that you'd mark that on a connect card so we can follow up with you later in the week. And if you are a brother or sister in Christ and you've been walking with God most of your life and, and, and you feel like you want that community and you want the inner circle, but you just don't know how to get it, God, would you just press on their hearts to get involved, to find that community, to find that inner circle? that travels with them through life's ups and downs. And for the mama, for the mom in this room that feels chained down and bonded by the expectations the world has placed on her, in the name of Christ Jesus, we pray that you break those chains right now. That that mom would be set free from the bondage of other people's expectations, even her own. And that the desires of her heart to have an inner circle, to have community, God, you would fulfill that desire this week. May she step out in faith and find involvement and find community and find the inner circle to go through life with. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the moms. We thank you for you and we love you. And we say all these things in your perfect and glorious and wonderful and powerful name, Jesus. Amen.